Psalms chapter 69, we begin reading in verse 20. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness, and I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. The psalmist here is, is having a difficult time. Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not, and make their loins continually to shake. Pour out thine indignation upon them, and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate, and let none dwell in their tents. This is how you react when you're in the flesh and you've been hurt. Verse 26, For they persecute him whom thou hast smitten, and they talk to the grief of those whom thou hast wounded. Add iniquity unto their iniquity, and let them not come into thy righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with the righteous. You do not want the psalmist praying against you. Something transitions, though, in verse 29. But I am poor and sorrowful. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. There's a revelation here. You've got to quit looking to others. You've got to turn your attention on yourself. David begins to turn his attention on himself and say, I've got to be saved. So here's what I'm going to do. Verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. For the Lord heareth the poor, and despiseth not his prisoners. Let the heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moveth therein. For God will save Zion and will build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and have it in possession. The seed also of his servant shall inherit it. And they that love his name shall dwell therein. I wanted to read all of that to you because I wanted you to have the context for this subject matter this morning. The blessing of brokenness. The blessing of brokenness. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're thankful to be in your house today. Thankful for your word that guides us and directs us. We pray that you would anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word. And anoint our lips to speak your word. And we will declare your glory and your greatness in every situation. And at all times. In Jesus name. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. When uh, we were uh, on the island of Mauritius. Uh, there was a man that was there. Uh, that was uh, brought on a bed. And uh, he was laid out flat on the bed. And uh, he had... Uh, his arms and his hands up, uh, worshiping the Lord throughout the course of the service. And uh, I watched him and I was so moved by his uh, dedication and devotion uh, to worship God, uh, even in the position that he was in, no doubt uh, unable uh, to move his legs. He could move his arms and his hands. And they were always... Uh, lift it up. Here's a little video clip of it, and you'll see him. He's in the center aisle, and he's got his hand up. You recognize that song? Who's reporting? Will you believe? 
And now here's a picture of him throughout the course of the preaching, throughout the course of the singing. Uh, he was there on this bed in every service with his hands uh, lifted up. And I watched him with such admiration and with compassion and with a little bit of conviction that here's a man that comes and worships God uh, he, even though he can't even sit up, even though he can't even walk. He's there and he's got his hands up in the air. And I said, Lord, what excuse will I ever have for not worshiping you if this man is here in this state and he is worshiping the Lord? And uh, so I started praying that the Lord would heal him. Uh, I, I started going by the bed and putting my hand on him and praying for him. And, and uh, during one of the services, as I was praying that God uh, would heal him, uh, the Lord spoke to me. I felt impressed in my spirit that God was speaking to me and said, don't pity him, learn from him. And I thought, well, what is it that I'm to learn from this situation, Lord? So I started to ask people a little bit about him, the, the missionary and the missionary's wife that were there that oversee the work in Madagascar. Uh, she, her parents, the missionary's uh, wife, her parents were missionaries, and she grew up on the island of Mauritius and uh, Sister Paula Richardson. So uh, I asked her a little bit about this man. She said, even as a girl... As a young girl, you know, being raised here on this island, my parents were missionaries here. She said he was always uh, in church. And she said, I don't know his background. I don't know his history. I don't know what happened. But he's always been, uh, you know, there. And, and he's, he's laid out flat. But she said he's always worshiping the Lord. And he's very consistent. And he comes and he, and he, you know, he magnifies the Lord. And I thought, man, this is amazing. And I wanted to learn more about him. Well, after the last service, they wanted us all to gather around the front of the church because the missionary had a drone. He was going to take a picture of the church and all the people. And I saw his friends bringing him out on his bed. And there were four friends, and they were carrying the, uh, the bed and bringing him out and putting him there as part of the picture. And, and uh, so I asked a little bit about that, and they said, yeah, they have these friends that bring him all the time. And so I started thinking about that, and I was thinking about the story in the Bible where, you know, they brought their friend that was sick of the palsy, the Bible said, which was a crippling disease, and he was flat on the bed, and they, they brought him to Jesus, but they couldn't get into the house where Jesus was teaching because of the, the, the people. So they went on the roof, and they ripped the roof off, and they lowered him down. And, and I started thinking about the similarity between that and these friends that brought uh, this uh, young man to the church. And I started thinking, I wonder if I could learn about that and learn maybe there's something in the Scripture that the Lord wants me to look at. So... Uh, I started to uh, read that story again. And uh, as I, I started to read the story, I started to see parts to that story that I had not seen before. And I felt like maybe that was what the Lord was trying to speak to me about. And as I uh, begin to read this story, and I begin to realize that it was uh, through his sickness and his broken body that his friend stepped down in faith and lowered him down from the roof. He had not been lame. They would have never been able to exercise their faith. Well, their faith set off a chain of events that started with salvation and resulted in revelation. Because when you read Luke chapter 5 and verse 20, it says, And when he, referring to Jesus, saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. The first thing that he did was save him. He saved him. Before he healed him, he saved him. And the scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's correct. It's only God. And Jesus wants you to know that He's not just a teacher. He's not just a healer going about and doing social good. He is the one that can bring salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you today that the greatest revelation that you can have 
walking on this earth. That's who Jesus is. He's not just another philosopher. He's not just another teacher. He's not just another prophet. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And his name is Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Oh, hallelujah. I know you understand that revelation. You have that revelation, but I think sometimes we have to be reminded of it. And we were driving around the island, which is mainly Hindu, uh, of Mauritius. Uh, we started seeing these festivals, and, and they had these big, massive, like, floats. Is the only way I know how to describe it. They had a lot of red and yellow colors, and they had, like, these idols and big statues of things that I can't even describe. It looked like a monkey and had a lot of heads and arms and snakes and all kinds of things. And... And it was all there and they would go down the street with it and all these young men would be carrying it on their shoulders and they had the the sticks all wrapped with cloth and foam and whatever they could to make it soft on their shoulders. And they were going down through the streets and they had these cars with, had the back of the car opened up and they had all these boom boxes and they were broadcasting all the boom, boom, boom music. I knew that music was of the devil. You know the kind I'm talking about, the boom, 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 and the car goes down the road, and you're just sitting at the stoplight, minding your business, all of a sudden your head, and you're... My boys just think I'm an old man. They don't realize how spiritual I am. That stuff was a part of some Hindu festival over there with a god with a bunch of faces and lipstick and monkey face with multiple heads and snakes crawling out of its shoulders. And they're going down the street and all that music and all these young people going out there. And I thought, why in the world would somebody do it? And I know I'm not a part of that culture and I wasn't raised in India. And I know that Hinduism is the furthest thing from my mind. But it, it made me thank the Lord over and over again. Hallelujah. That I know who Jesus is. He's not a God that's made with man's hands. He's not, we're not worshiping some statue. We're not just going through some tradition or some ritualism that's limited to an American culture. We know who Jesus is. He is the mighty God in Christ. Oh, what a blessing it is to know Jesus. And so there were other things that happened here. The healing was literally just a byproduct. It was almost an afterthought. And I'm going to say this, and I know this is going to go against your thinking, but this is why I want to preach this message. The healing of this man was not the real blessing. It was not the focal point. The crux of the story is that Jesus revealed that He was the Son of God and had the power to forgive sins. And I know they use that against Him to, to, to say that He caused blasphemy, but you know what? The Lord wanted them to have that revelation. That's why he forgave your sins. Long before he healed his body, he said, your sins be forgiven you. You know why? Because of the faith that they had to bring him down. Faith causes God to activate the salvation process. That's why before anything else, you've got to believe that Jesus can save you. You've got to come to an altar of repentance and say, Lord, I need to be forgiven of my sins. Oh, hallelujah. It was that man's faith that caused him to be forgiven of his sins. It was the faith of his friends to say, if I could just get to Jesus with my friend, he'll be healed. But there was much more than just being healed. Hallelujah. There was coming a revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hallelujah. There was a blessing in the brokenness. We think that we are whole because we can walk. 
and because we have eyes to see and we want others to be like us. And I wanted that man to be like me and be able to walk around and be able to lift up my hands. And I said, Lord, he's worthy. He's faithful. He comes. He's laying out flat on his back. Why don't you heal him? I know y'all are so spiritual. Y'all have never had questions like this. But this is what happens when you have a, a human brain and a human body and human flesh to deal with. We don't understand everything that happens. We want people to be like us. Well, maybe there's a reason why they're not like us. We think in our American culture we can bring affluence to these other countries and somehow it's going to be a great blessing to them. I remember when I was in Uganda years ago, there were all these kids that were around me and they were wanting our water bottles. I thought they needed water. They said, no, they just want the plastic bottle. So there was hundreds of them and I threw the plastic bottle and one of them grabbed it, put it on a stick, ran around and for an hour he was the head band leader of that whole group of kids because he had an empty plastic water bottle turned upside down on the top of a stick and he ran around with that stick and he was so happy i mean they don't have one tenth of one percent that we have but he was so happy oh my friend it's not us making the world like us that's going to bring happiness it's the greatest thing you can do as a church is to preach and teach the gospel of jesus christ Oh, hallelujah. There's a revelation in the brokenness. We go to minister to these people in third world countries and they end up ministering more to us because I'm going to tell you what, it's not a hard thing for God to heal a broken body. It's much harder for Him to heal a broken spirit. And you may be standing upright on your feet today. You may be able to see with your eyes. But guess what? You can have a wounded spirit. You can have a broken heart. And that takes a lot to heal. But i come to tell you about a God, hallelujah, that wants to heal you of things that others cannot see. You shake hands, you smile, you say hello to everybody, but you're suffering in silence because of something that's happened in your life. Maybe from your childhood. Maybe you're crossed up with somebody in this building. I don't know what it is, but I've come to tell you, if you'll take all of your brokenness and give it to God and say, I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why I'm struggling. I don't know why I'm having this difficulty. But God is great and greatly to be praised. He will use our limitations. You say, well, I'm, I'm not broken, Pastor. I got them all put together. I got it all together. God's lucky to even have me in the church. Be careful. You may be broken and not realize it. Your thinking is broke. Our misconceptions of God are broke. Our own struggles are what really is important. Our priorities are broke. Healing and blessing is more than just the physical body. In fact, it's probably the easiest of them all to heal the, the physical body. But oh, if you can see through the Word of God a clear path that He can heal a broken spirit. Oh, hallelujah. And I, I, the more I begin to look at this, the more I begin to think, oh, I want what that man has. To be able to say, Lord, I'm going to worship you anyhow. I had to have friends carry me here, but I can praise you anyhow. He's got something I don't have. Because if I've had a bad week, I may sit on my chair over there and not stand up and worship God because I'm tired. And I'm thinking about my struggles. I'm thinking about my problems. But oh, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I've got no excuse not to worship God. 
There's a blessing that's coming in the brokenness. You say, oh, pastor, you've never had any problems. You have no idea. I don't stand up here and tell you about all my problems. But I can tell you, as a young person, I dealt with severe scoliosis. And I wore a brace on this back 23 hours a day. And they told me I'd be in a wheelchair by the time I was 25 years old. But guess what? God healed me. I've jumped out of airplanes. I've bungee jumped. I've been whitewater rafting. You name it. I've done it. You know why? Because I want to show the devil that guess what? God can do what he wants to do regardless of what the report of the world is. And the Lord didn't completely heal me. I still struggle with it. And I, I probably will the rest of my life. But there's a blessing in struggling with it. You know why? Because it causes me to have to stay broken. It causes me for the Lord to say, You better not get too big for your britches, David Ellis Myers. You better learn to lean upon me. I'm preaching to somebody today. God is trying to tell you, You are suffering for a reason. It's because God's got a blessing for you. God's got an anointing for you. He just wants to know, Will you praise me anyhow? Come on, you ought to lift up your hands all over this house. You ought to lift up your voice. The brokenness of physical impairment is not a handicap spiritually. It is a blessing. I said it is a blessing. When you go back to the text that we read, you'll see that David had to learn. It was his brokenness that caused his mind to be opened up. Whenever he transitioned from praying that God would destroy his enemies, and he started focusing on himself, and said, I'm going to praise the name of God with a song. I'm going to magnify him with thanksgiving. He's still hurting. He's still struggling. He's still got adverse situations and environments that he's in. But he said, I'm going to praise God anyhow. Here's the first revelation. Praise will pull you out. I said, praise will pull you out. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're suffering with. I know James is here and he's sick and he's dealing with a tremendous sickness. But I've come to tell anybody in this building, it doesn't matter if you're struggling financially, spiritually, emotionally, or physically. If you'll say, I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. Praise will pull you out. It'll pull you out of the doldrums. It'll pull you out of despondency. It'll pull you out of depression. He is a mighty God. Jesus. Think about the blessing that comes from what the psalmist is struggling with. He starts to get revelation. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hooves. He gets a revelation of what really pleases God. He gets a revelation of what really pleases God. Here's what pleases God. The sacrifice of the praise of your lips. It pleases God. 
The revelation continues, verse 32, The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. For the Lord heareth the poor, and despiseth not his prisoners. Now he gets an even greater revelation. Not only what pleases God, but who God responds to. God doesn't respond to people that are all wrapped up in their royalty, that think that nobody else is as spiritual as they are, and walk around with a proud look and a high head. That's not who God responds to. God responds to a man or woman that may have a whole litany of problems. They may have a bad background. They may have come from alcoholic parents. But they say, I believe that God will hear my cry. And God is drawn to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He heareth the poor. He despiseth not his prisoners. Then he says in verse 34, let the heaven and earth praise him. The seas and everything that moveth therein. For God will save Zion and will build the cities of Judah that they may dwell there and have it in possession. Now he gets another revelation. Nature has a praise. I said nature has a praise. If everybody in this building decides not to praise God and every person on this planet decides not to praise God, guess what? Nature is still going to praise Him. And because nature praises God... He's going to redeem nature. Now, follow me on this, because this is another revelation. You don't get this unless you've gone through some brokenness. He will redeem whatever praises Him. And because nature praises Him, that's why He even redeemed and regenerates the earth in the thousand years of peace in the millennial that we read about in the book of Revelation. You know why? Because nature praises Him. I don't know what you're going through, but if you'll praise Him, He will redeem it. I said He will redeem it. There's not one time that you say, bless the Lord, though you were hurting, though you were suffering, but you said, I'm going to put it all in the fire and I'm going to offer it as a sacrifice unto God. There's not one time you said, Lord, I'm hurting, I'm struggling, but I'm going to the house of God and I'm going with a praise. I'm not going to see her to be seen. I'm coming to the house of God to exalt the mighty name of Jesus. He's going to redeem it. He's going to redeem every praise, every sacrifice. And then, and then he says, the seed also, the seed also of his servant shall inherit it. You're going to pass something down to the next generation. So that when you're gone and dead and your voice is silent, there's going to be another generation that rises up and says, Bless the Lord anyhow, and they that love His name shall dwell therein. If you love the name of Jesus, the praise of your lips is an inheritance to the next generation. Mm, I said it's a praise to the next generation. Why? Because there's a blessing in the brokenness. There's something that takes place where God says, I can use you now. I can use you now. What was it that Paul was supposed to learn from his brokenness? He prayed and said, Lord, it's a thorn in my flesh. The Bible said he prayed three times that God would not remove the thorn because I got something better than your healing. I got a revelation for you. And here's the revelation, Paul. My grace is sufficient. 
Hey, Paul, I know you're a type A personality. I know you're well-educated. That's why I knocked you off your horse as you were going to Damascus to get more permission to persecute the Christians. And that's why I saved you, because I knew you could reach the Gentiles. And I know you find a way to bust through all the red tape, and you found a way. And that's why you're taking the gospel to the Gentiles in Asia and Europe, and I can use you. But you're going to have to remember something, Paul. There's going to come up against some things that you can't move. So you got to get a revelation of the sovereignty of God. I'm preaching to somebody today. You've done all you can. Give it to God. Give it to God. He is a sovereign God. God is enough. God is enough. I've lost my house, but God is enough. I've lost my job, but God is enough. I lost that relationship, but God is enough. I'm losing my health, but God is enough. Jesus. Shikotarabosia. There's a Shekinah presence of the Lord that's in this house. Lift up your voice one more time. In the name of Jesus. Yana Robo Sotarabahaya. Ikoto Robosi. You can remain standing. In Acts 27, Paul's in a violent storm on a ship with a bunch of criminals. It appears they're all going to die until Paul begins to tell them 
that if they all stay on the ship together, they would be saved. Verse 35 says, And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. They're still in a storm. The boat is still rocking to and fro. They can hear the wooden slats on the hull ripping out. In the midst of it all, he took bread. He gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. That broken bread was just a precursor to the fact that their ship would be broken. But through it all, they would land on the island of Malta and many people would be saved. So give him praise anyhow. So give him praise anyhow. I can hear the ship coming apart, but I want to go ahead and break bread because I'm going to say, God, I put it all in your hands. I will bless you. The blessing of the feeding of thousands, which was the most famous miracle that Jesus did because it involved so many people. It only happened after the bread was broken. Mark 8, 6, and he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people and they had a few small fishes and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. Here's the part I hadn't seen before. Verse eight. So they did eat and were filled and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. I got another revelation. The abundance comes from brokenness. The part that was not consumed, the part that was left over, was the part that was broken. Whatever you give God, God's not only going to take care of you, He's going to give you an abundance from the brokenness. Paul, in writing to the Gentiles in the book of Romans, reminds them that through the brokenness of the Jews, the Gentiles are brought into the fold. And if some of the branches, Romans eleven seventeen, be broken off, and thou being a wild olive branch were grafted in among them, and with them partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say when the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. He was saying they were not broken so you could be saved. You were saved because they were broken. Don't get the cart in front of the horse. You better understand why God has reached for you. It's because somebody prayed. Somebody sacrificed. And you're not here today by your own, uh, by your own premonition. You're here because there has been a brokenness. There has been a sacrifice. And oh, my friend, I've come to tell you that if you'll continue to give it to God, He's going to continue to open the doors. And people will be saved because of your brokenness, because of your humility. Even the Last Supper gave us, uh, as the church, an insight into the importance uh, of remembering the brokenness of Calvary and how that that brokenness became a blessing to the world. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. And when he had given thanks, he broke it uh, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. He's saying, don't ever forget. It's by the brokenness of this body. Sacrifice of Calvary broke down the wall of partition between God and man in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.13 But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes far off were made nigh. By the blood of Jesus. 
for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition. It was Calvary that broke down the wall of partition between humanity and deity. It was the brokenness of Calvary that allows us in our humanity to come into fellowship with a holy God, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Peace came from that situation that was the opposite of peace. The whipping and the crown of thorns and the, and the breaking of bones and all of the hurt and all of the pain. It brought peace. Here's why. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereof. And it came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. It came from brokenness. For through him we both have access to one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God brokenness of Calvary brings us into fellowship brings us into fellowship I don't want you to be broken I wish everybody here could you live a life of utopia but I know that's not possible on this earth but what's greater is realizing there is a blessing in the brokenness there is salvation in the suffering finally I close with this. If you want to start gathering around the front, bring your brokenness. Come and gather down here. God's going to do something special. Romans chapter 8, it says in verse 16, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Let me just say this. Regardless of what you may go through, don't ever lose the revelation of who you are, your identity in Christ Jesus. You are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. There's the blessing and the brokenness. We're in fellowship. And being in fellowship brings pain. It brings heartache. It brings sacrifice. It brings brokenness. But guess what? It's going to be worth it all because we're going to be glorified together. Paul continues and says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, we are not immune to it. Just because we are filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that we're immune from hurting and suffering. But you got to keep reading because the story doesn't end there. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to win the redemption of our body. That's what it's all about. For we are saved by hope, and hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? In other words, he's saying there's an invisible element to this. That's why it's always going to be a walk of faith. But 
If we hope for that, we see not. Then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. Which, with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes you don't even know how to express yourself. You just say, oh God, here I am. But the Spirit of God intercedes for you. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, because of all of that that I just read, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose I know it's all going to work together for good because there's a blessing in the brokenness there's salvation in the suffering and there's hope that's coming from the hurt the only thing you have to do to bridge that gap is to say I'm going to bless the Lord at all times now all across this building Would you lift up your hands and would you lift up your voice? Yeah. 